Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh-huh. 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 It's me. I'm the resident Star Trek expert. Well, you don't even pronounce it correctly. It's Star Trek. Well, you know, it's... Many dialects. It's a rich tapestry we this have as a like country. When you were calling him Colin Meany. <laughs> we did get that really good uh, art out of it, though, that you did of him standing behind <laughs> the counter in the Cold Stone Creamery. I was very proud of that, especially because I had it done and then I started messing around in the photo options and I found that like soft focus filter for it. It was oh, like, oh, man, this is very good. Yeah. We were going to go with a, a picture of three people getting turned into skeletons from yeah. TNG, but then you showed me that, and I think that you made the right choice. Yep. So, uh, well, anyway, this episode we're not going to talk about Star Trek at all. Larry, what have you been not... doing? Have you been watching anything good? <laughs> uh, about four minutes ago, I finished watching Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. All right, but shut the episode of this podcast off. You have my permission. That's later. That's later. First, I had already okay. talked about how I had made a purchase a while ago, and I have posted about this, and I don't think you interacted with any of it, so you probably didn't even see any of it. No, but... no, I saw. I saw. Okay. I But I didn't really have much to say other than I, I fucking called it, like I got it in two. Did you? I was a little bit off. Well, I I had predicted it was Tokusatsu related. Yes. Which, uh, sure, yeah, it's a Ultraman thing, right? Well, kind of. Okay. All right. So, uh, as is well documented here, I love the Disaster Report series, and the developers of Disaster Report made a game. That is basically Disaster Report, except instead of natural disasters, it is giant monsters. Uh, it's I mean, called. It's a good idea. It's a really good concept, yeah. Uh, it's, it's called. A great idea. Toshi. Kyoei Toshi. Toshi. Kyoei Toshi. It's a very good <laughs> reference for the. Uh, well, basically just you. <laughs> anybody, I appreciate the hell out of it, anybody yeah. Anybody who has seen uh, Vermilion Pleasure Night. Um, oh, man. Everyone should see Vermilion Pleasure Night. I, yeah, they should. Oh, yes! You're so good! Come on! Come on, Toshi! Come on, Toshi! Come on! You're so good. So You're so good. Oh yes, you're so good. You're so good. Come on! 
Come on, Toshi. Hey, Toshi, come on. So that translates the English title is City Shrouded in Shadow. Um, but it is a disaster report game with giant monsters or Ultramans in this case. That's the first level. So this game will never be released in the United States uh, because it features Ultraman, Godzilla, Gamera, uh, Pat Labor, and Evangelion. Oh, man. Uh, it's got Pat Labor in it? Yeah, it does. Now I'm interested. The, openings, the opening scene has like an Ingram and a Griffin fighting in it. God. I um, have all of uh, Pat Labor on my shelf on Blu-ray. I could watch that at any time if I weren't married to another franchise currently <laughs> and for probably the rest of the year. I've really been least. wanting to watch it. I saw that first episode. That first episode was really good. Did you watch the series bet... first or the OVAs? I thought the OVAs came first. No, so uh, that set helpfully... Actually, yeah, maybe it doesn't. I, I, I thought it, like, put everything in, like, chronological order, so it would start with the TV show, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm pretty sure the show came later. I think... I thought that the show was first and the OVAs was between the shows and the movies, but I, again, I might be wrong. I'm, I need to, I maybe need to look into that, but like in how it's ordered in that set, the show is definitely first. I watched the first episode okay. of the show. Well, I also don't think it really matters, probably. Probably but not. Anyway, um, so this came out, I'm actually, I should look up and see, or you look up while I'm talking about it, or no. You don't, with, don't no, because I, you're you don't clacky keyboard. To, yeah. Um, I had to get this, a mechanical keyboard because I liked the clicky clacks, and now it makes it impossible for me to look up anything. I I believe this came out in 2018 or so. Um, so mm. not super old, but um, not this is not a new release. But the thing is, when it came out, I remember looking at it and looking up footage and being like, I do not want to play this because... As a heads up, uh, if you only have a PlayStation 4 or, I assume, a PS4 Pro, do not buy this game. Uh, because okay, well, it, I think it runs this... at, like, single-digit frame rates all the time. Good. This was going to answer the question that I had, which was, how good is the frame rate? Because I know the last <laughs> time you played a Disaster Report game, the, some would say the real disaster was how it ran. Well, so the weird thing about Disaster Report 4, though, was that really bad frame rate was just in the first area, and after you got out of that, it was fine. And I don't yeah. know what it was like, about that, um, but it was really rotten in that first part, and then after that was okay. So, mm. uh, running on PS5, as I suspected, this was because I was talking to J.R. Oliver, and we were talking about Disaster Report in this game in particular, and I was talking about its bad frame rate, and then I got a gribble of an idea which is that I realized with the PS5 out and how it can brute force old games into running better that it would be able to do that with this. And it does. There are still times when it gets slowed down, specifically if a lot of stuff is exploding, like right in the middle of the screen, which happens pretty often. But most of the time it runs smoothly, and that slowdown I feel like is kind of just part of the disaster report experience at this point anyway, and it doesn't really bother me. It's well, not I'm like chugging excited. all the time while you're just trying to run around. I'm excited for them to make new disaster reports so they can find new ways of making that run bad on current hardware. <laughs> I mean, considering they'll figure it out. Considering recent trends with Japanese games, they'll just release it on PS4 anyway. So, yeah, probably. it would probably run fine on a five. 
Um, I mean, business-wise, that's probably the correct decision, though, right? Yeah. More people have a PS4 right now, probably as far as, like, if you want to sell your game, probably put it on old hardware and just make sure it runs real good on the new hardware. Yeah, probably. Um, so. But it's weird, because Disaster Report 3, I think, only came out on the Vita, and only in mm. Japan. Um, and then 4, 4 was Vita, a case... What's that? Uh, well, see, it, it was this pretty good handheld that never took off because the one before it was so bad. Okay. It's a shame. Was was the screen all right on that? Oh yeah, it was nice. Uh, see, it had this new thing called a uh, OLED. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, before. like Nintendo. Yeah, like Nintendo. I thought that was a Nintendo thing. I thought they invented OLED. Well, no. Oh. I mean, they kind of. Did. I thought that. Okay. If you well, if you believe people on the internet, which you shouldn't, you should it, never do. Does it got does the Vita have like any good RPGs that I could play on the go? Oh yeah, a lot. Huh. That's like its whole thing, basically. Why has no one ever heard of this? Well, I told you because the PSP was so bad. Remember the PSP? No, what's that? Well, it's this thing that you can play Spider Man on. It has a. Uh, they're called UMDs. They're like discs and cartridges put together. They're pretty cool. I just feel like I'm learning so much today on the podcast. Yeah, you can get a UMD of Hellboy or a Cowboy Bebop the movie or the first two oh. episodes of Samurai Champloo. These are the UMDs I owned. Um, <laughs> just the first two episodes. I think it was the first two, yeah. Look, storage <laughs> capacity. I don't know. Uh... I remember watching Hellboy on UMD on the PSP while waiting in the lobby to watch Kung Fu Hustle at the theater. If you think you've watched a fucking movie on your <laughs> PSP... Get real. <laughs> you will never in a million years... Well, no, he's, he starts to say million and then tr decides on trillion. You'll never in a trillion years have experienced the film on a PSP... I got a trip I'm going on here in a little bit. I'm going to dig out my PSP and put in my copy of Mulholland Drive on UMD. It's such a sadness to think you've <laughs> experienced a film on a PSP. It's great how this, like, 30-second clip of David Lynch has probably <laughs> given us, like, more enjoyment than any of his full-length movies. I don't know about that. We refer back to that one thing way more than we do any actual, like, project that he's done. Uh, I don't know, I talk about Twin Peaks a lot uh, Twin but... Peaks is in contention, sure Okay, so Kyoei Toshi um, yeah. the, This is 100% a disaster report game You're running around, you're, uh, it has the same sort of weird side stories It still lets you dress up however you want uh, Like at the beginning of the game You bust down a door in a police station I was you. I went up to a drawer, and there are options on the screen, and I can't read any of this, so I just select the first option, and then it comes up from black, and I'm wearing a policewoman uniform, and I'm like, yep, this is exactly the same game as they've been doing before. Oh, what I was going to say was Disaster Report 4 was a weird thing where they had that game basically finished, and then the, uh, the big tsunami in Japan happened, and so it got canceled. Uh, and so then, like, many years later, basically, they came back to finish it. So that's why it's so, like, weird and dated is because it's literally a game from, like, 
when did that happen? That's like 2012, 2011, maybe. The the amount of complete abject tragedies that have happened over the last decade has been just so great and so many that I can't tell you anymore where any of them fall in the timeline. Well, I'm just trying to say, I, I think it was a PS3 game. Is, kind is of that my before point. or after that earthquake that they had over there where it like shifted the Earth's axis a foot? Mm, I don't know. Wasn't it the kind of the same thing? I don't but see didn't again. The earthquake caused the tsunami or something like that. It might have. It might have. Yeah. Ah, uh, either way. Anyway, look, everything going great over there with the Olympics. Look, so. I don't remember movies that I watched like two weeks ago. What do you expect me to remember? The sequence <laughs> of events for a natural disaster halfway across the world ten years ago. Anyway, sure, that's a that's a fair point. So, uh, yeah, basically. Between that game Like originally being developed And then being finished Was when they made this And uh, I would say If you're a fan of the series And you have a Playstation 5 Check it out It, it It's more linear Than the Disaster Report games usually are But it has this sort of the same flavor That first level Like it starts you out on the um On the street You select from dialogue options To determine your character type and then you walk down the street and immediately things start exploding and Ultraman is there. And then you run across the street and a building explodes and there are Yakuza guys inside with a briefcase full of money. And you have a bunch of dialogue options, one of which, like, apparently none of them do anything except for one which makes you grab a, like a money out of the air and it gives you money. And then the guys chase you and a bus explodes. See, this is what I wanted out of Like a Dragon. Is is just all of this? Yeah. You step out on the street. Ultraman. You're in a you're in a policewoman's uniform. Ultraman is there. You're yeah. grabbing money out of the air. So, um, also as advice for anybody who wants to play this, there is a guide. There's no English guide that I could find, but there is a guide that's like a. It's called like a. Actually, I can. I have it on my phone here because I've just been playing with my phone. Uh, using the Chrome to auto-translate it, and it's been working out just fine. It is... nope, that's the PlayStation. Larry's going to put a Star Trek Universal Translator in his ears so he can <laughs> understand the Disaster Report games. It is kyoetoshi.wiki.fc2.com. So, there, if anybody gets this. You can find used copies fairly cheap. I got for like 30 bucks from eBay, shipping included, like new. So... Mm. Uh, don't buy a new copy because those are expensive. Um, people in Japan yeah, take care of their games. Up, what if it goes up in value, though? What if it's like that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting game that was really bad and now it's worth like 300 damn dollars? 400, but um, yes. 400, I, I'm sorry. I mean, it could, but then buy a new copy and then hang on to it. Like, don't get that to play s- it. Did you end up selling yours? No. Okay. Probably will at some point. You know that's how they got Al Capone, right? He didn't pay taxes on used game sales. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Look, if they don't send me anything, I'm not going to send anything in. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, Kyoe Toshi. Uh, I've been following that guide. So this game does have the same thing with Disaster Report, where you can make your character be a real weirdo creep if you want, which is funny. 
Um, there was a part early on where you're in a subway, which also is like the worst level so far. You go in a subway and there are like these bug monsters attacking you. I don't know if the bug monsters are from anything. Um, but eh, that's not really what I'm looking for of this type of a game. But you go down there and there's a reporter and you bump into her. And uh, this wiki, helpfully, it tells you what all of the dialogue choices are. It'll say like dialogue frame and that way you know what they are and what they do. And the last option when you bump into her is something like, ah, but hitting your butt felt nice or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, I can't speak Japanese, but, af- Kojima work on this? <laughs> but after that, the lady is just like, Arigato. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I understand what's <laughs> happening in this scene. Um, no, that's just sort of a trademark of the series is your character can be like a normal guy or a total freak. I don't know why anyone will play video games to play a normal guy. <laughs> well, sometimes you want to be just a guy who uh, wants no. to rescue people from a destroyed Absolutely building. Not. And then sometimes you just want to be a real disaster of a human. Yeah, well, it's disaster. Yeah, report. Well, yes, sure. Okay. Disaster report for colon disaster human. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I'm glad you're having fun with it, as opposed to the previous disaster report game that I know was just a hot fucking mess. Uh, I also update on that. Uh, they have reprinted the physical copies of that game apparently, because I have obtained a copy of Disaster Report Four, which that again, like, I didn't really have an issue with the game itself. It was just the uh, performance issues on PS4. You, yeah, I was going to say, so I do wonder if that will run perfectly fine on Should. the PlayStation 5, or if there really is just like something super busted with the code in that level where it still won't get I don't know. Like that's, frame rate. that's the thing with the slowdown in parts of this. I feel like it's maybe just something baked into the game somehow. Um, yeah. But, I'll um, be curious to hear how that goes. But the other if, one, if like, that plays any better. Yeah, uh, four. I just ended up like sending back to GameFly because there was something else coming out that I had to get back there for, and then it was like, oh, this is out of print now. It's very expensive. It's not going on sale on PlayStation Network, so I can't buy it now. Um, how, how many of the Disaster Report games do you actually like own? Because that seems I, to me I like don't... a series similar to Yakuza, where you would just be collecting each and every one, regardless how good it is, just to have it. So well, it surprises only... me that you bothered to send that one back only three have come in um or come out in the u.s come in um so um i don't think i have the first one i have raw danger which is the second it was just called that in the u.s and japan it was disaster report and then again the third one was vita only so i have no interest in that well i don't know why you would want like a game that's all about like giant spectacle on a vita it's weird um and then four which just came out here so i have most of them if you include koei toshi then i'm only really missing one which is the first one and i should get that at some point turn those jojo bucks into into disaster report Mm. Mm. i actually wonder if the first one's very expensive or not because you would think that it would be, but raw danger I don't think is even that expensive. Like I think that's something like eighty bucks for a sealed copy. Larry, which... we're dipping our toes into the I most know. loathed segment of the podcast. I know. 
and I think that maybe we should pull back and move on to something else. Okay. Well, my review of Kyoe Toshi is uh pretty good. If you're into that sort of thing, just be aware. Again, it's more linear. I don't like the reliance on QTEs. Um, th- I say QTE, but it's really just press square when something explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other games are sort of more survival focused. It's more about moving slowly until you have to not move slowly. Um, keeping your hydration and food levels up and that that sort of thing. This one is just sort of like running around, get to the end. Um, and like it, it's fine I understand they wanted to make it a little bit more action focused Because of the properties involved And that kind of thing it Works for that um, But it, it, the main issue is The press square to not die things Are maybe a second Most of the time And I actually wonder If maybe that's sort of related to it Running faster on the PS5 because a lot of oh, that is when bit. when there are things that would maybe be slowing it down. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. I. I wasn't sure if there well, was anything else to add to this, but I think that's basically it. Well, uh, this will be my final installment of George plays Yakuza Like a Dragon, or oh, at least attempts to. Uh, I finally caved and just turned the game in to GameStop. Turned in the game in my patch. Uh, so I'm not playing that anymore. I got to the part of the game where it finally opens up and starts letting you do stuff around town and engaging in like side stories and things. And then immediately the next chapter locks me into like a chapter long dungeon mm-hmm. that I can't get out of to just One go enjoy all this stuff. Uh huh. All this good stuff about, like, don't fall asleep while watching the movies. and <laughs> Okay, and I was going to ask if you'd gone and done that. That's the part where I started coming around on Like a Dragon, where I was like, yeah, this is what I want out of this game. It's just a lot of shit like this. And then finally being able to, like, change job classes and seeing the different weird outfits for that. Like, oh, that's fantastic. I It finally got to the point in the game that I was hoping it would get to, where I was starting to have a good time with it and then it locks me in that dungeon and I stopped having a good time immediately uh, and then you had warned me that a character ends up leaving your party uh, mm-hmm. which is my favorite thing about JRPGs is when I spend a lot of time leveling up my party and then they start taking people away from me and it's Nanba who is probably the best character in your group because he's basically like the, the support uh, the homeless well, job the class yeah yeah so like he's got really good offensive uh, spells, for lack of a better word, uh, and he I mean, is able your to stat just is straight up magic. So sure, yeah. Uh, but he can also just heal everybody up. So he's got really good utilities. So the fact mm... that they take him out of there, I mean, S- Psycho like takes that role when she can switch to idle. So she does, but I like having both utilities on the same. He's actually like. He's the red mage, basically, because he's able to do both. Well, you can, um, if you just switch him over to musician, you'll get that thing that like heals everybody, and then you can just switch I back did. to his regular one. Yeah, I did, and that, I did look, that with anyway, everybody. Anyway, they get rid of him. They get rid of him until like chapter ten, which yeah. is god, like four chapters after where I was at. So that so, is like the straw that broke my back, where I was like, "Well, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore." Yeah, a long time ago, when I mentioned that he leaves for a third of the game, I was not joking. 
or like exaggerating no. that's literally like i looked at the chapter list and was like oh there's four chapters after that yeah i thought you were maybe being a bit hyperbolic with nope. that but no you spot on he's gone for about a third of the game uh i also just kind of got into the sort of like when i was looking that up I ended up spoiling myself on a few things, but none of the stuff I spoiled myself on was a surprise. Like, the plot of that game goes into some fairly obvious directions. Yeah. It's, it goes into stuff I was hoping it wouldn't because it seemed too obvious. Uh, so that also kind of pushed me away from it. Okay. So, whatever. Traded in. I put my money towards a real RPG, Shin Megami Tensei Five. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Uh, but until then, I guess I have nothing new to play because video games ain't coming out for mm. basically the rest of the year. Well, there will be an update on this next week. I will say, here's an update on Larry plays Yakuza Like a Dragon because I fired it up for the first time in a few months. I uh, had no idea what any skill does, um, it, which is great because I did the thing where I would... Uh, switch them to another job so I would get the skills from them and now it's just like scroll through this list of things what does this do this these both do low physical damage but this one takes more MP is this one better than that one who knows so None that's of cool the stuff that like charms enemies that inflicts like status ailments have ever fucking worked in that game for me like a third into the game, none. I repeatedly tried to use them. They always failed. I never bothered with the charm ones, but I know the like cut and burn ones work. I didn't have those work ever either. Like I had shock work, but it was like attached to uh, Ichiban's weapon, so just mm. doing regular attacks, it would end up shocking them fairly regularly. But like, I never had to burn enemies. I never charmed enemies. None of that. When I would try to like debuff them, that would miss too. So, man. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, I I started playing and was like, yeah, this is all right. Um, I will probably end up just burning through the story to get through to the end of that. I think. Mm. Dragon cart is... is something. Deathloop is coming out before the end of the year. Uh, Samurai, be game Samurai Warrior 7 is out today. Huh? Yeah, but I'm not as much of it. Is on its way to me. I know you aren't. I'm saying for me, I'm my my purposes. I don't care about your purposes. I want to play video games. Do you want to play video wanna, games? I don't want to go to school. <laughs> you just want to be a fool. That's right. Uh, yeah, Deathloop. God, what else is coming out by the end of the year? Oh, Sonic Colors, that new video we've game. We've already we've already done this. I know. I, I just look. have to consistently remind myself because there's like four games coming out, and their release dates feel very fluid. No more Heroes it's... Three. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that is one month from today, August twenty seventh. I completely forgot that that was even coming out because I saw that footage and I uh -huh. was just like, well, now I'm completely disinterested in this. And I guess I just like purged all No More Heroes information from my brain and then flushed it out. It looks like for the rest of the year, basically, it's uh, Far Cry 6, Metroid Far Dread, and... Shin Megami oh, Tensei right, uh... 5. That's basically it. Well, God, with the money I'm saving on No More Heroes 3, maybe I should just get that Metroid. 
because it's yeah, not maybe. like it's going to really drop that much in, in price. Like, I might as well get it. At most, I will save maybe $10, $15 on it. Like, maybe on Black Friday, more likely a year out from release. So I might as well just get it when it comes out. Also, it's Samurai Warriors 5. I don't know why I thought it was 7. Mm. It doesn't matter. Well. I guess it's, Larry, it's... in the Samurai Warriors series, it's probably like the 12th or 13th at this point. And that, yeah, sure. Like, Spirit it's... of Sonata one. Samurai it's Warriors like Mario 4 2. Where they didn't attach numbers to them for a while, and then sometimes they do, and you're expected to remember what the order of it is, even though these also did not consistently come out on one type of platform. Samurai Warriors Super Circuit. <laughs> Samurai Warriors Double Dash. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty good. <laughs> it would. That would be a Samurai Warriors I'd be interested in. That stuff with Mario Kart always drove me nuts. How it's like one contiguous series, but like some of it came out on handheld, some of it came out on console, some of them don't have a number associated with them, some of them do. I could not tell you what the order oh. is in that series at all outside of I think the the first two are the SNES one and then the Nintendo 64. Yes, it was... Um... Super Nintendo 64, then uh, the GBA one. That was Super Circuit, I think. There's a um, game for you. Try to, from memory, order all the Mario cards. Mario Kart one DS. That you, each one, well, you want to let me finish. Each okay. one you don't order correctly, you have to chop off a finger. Well, I'm not going to agree to that. But <laughs> I believe it was just Mario Kart DS, then Double Dash, I think was after that. Um, Your patriarch is just watching you with like a stone cold gaze The knife is hovering above your fingers You are covered in sweat You have to order the Mario Kart Mario Kart Wii Then 7 Which was the 3DS one And then 8 You've brought shame to your clan Larry Was that not right? I just don't know if it was like Double Dash or the the DS one first I honestly have no idea I'm not looking those up because that's a weird thing It's weird to think that the Game Boy Advance Existed concurrently with the GameCube But like that was the whole thing It had the e-reader, you know Link cable See that Go to Tingle that Island isn't, Yeah, that isn't weird to me Because I just remember My friends at the time were way into Crystal Chronicles Oh boy I remember playing a decent amount of Crystal Chronicles and Yeah, it's it's not It was not a good game No But I was just happy to have friends Who would tolerate me enough That Could they would let me come over and play swords? Crystal Chronicles No, they didn't have four swords We just had Crystal Chronicles mm. One of my friends in that friend group Gave me probably the rawest, dirtiest deal I've ever taken in my entire life And I'm just as much at fault For being stupid enough to fall for it But I traded him my copy of Virtual on or Hargrio Tingram for uh, Tingram. Final. Thank you for Final Fantasy fucking seven. Hmm. And I still have that copy of Final Fantasy seven, which means I would have still had my copy of Virtual on. I never should have taken that deal. Yeah. God. Anyway, it doesn't matter that there's not any really like new games coming out for another couple of months, uh, because I have Star Trek to keep me company and it take up all of my time. Oh, Larry, new release. About... There's a new release coming out this oh, week. Oh, thank God. Well, it doesn't matter to you because yes? you wouldn't play it anyway. Uh, the Great okay. Ace Attorney Chronicles is out this week. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that because I have that uh, 
shipping to me from Japan because uh, I got the physical edition, which is mm. not coming out in the U.S. for some reason, only on the Nintendo Switch. But I want it on the PlayStation Four. So yeah, that's okay. Want to? I mean, we shouldn't tread old ground, but yeah, I don't want to play pretty much anything on the Nintendo Switch anymore. I would play that on the Switch. Like that's actually one of the things that's a good fit for it, like visual novels and stuff like that, where you can kind of just bang out a little bit of it at a time. Because I don't know, like just like sitting at TV watching text scroll is not the best time to me. But at the uh, same sure. time, eh. sure, I suppose you got a point. Like the previous ones were all handheld games too, so it Larry. does make a certain amount of sense. I'm going to end up buying the US version when it gets cheap, but yeah. I wanted this box with all of it Have it all Except for the ones that are not in that Dual Destiny Larry we have to Spirit we of Justice Larry we gotta talk about Star Trek 6 We need to move on We need to talk about the Undiscovered Country Which is what I like to call upcoming game releases That was bad I should have workshopped that and That didn't Star make Trek any sense 6. No it didn't Star Trek 6 is uh, the, the final original series star trek movie and for some reason one of the only no, like three that you bothered to watch of the og ones well like of that series i know that like generations yeah. but like that's more of a tng movie than it is supposed to be like ah. an OG movie. i know i'm splitting hairs on that Kirk's but in it. uh you went with the uh so there's a certain train of logic that yeah. all the even-numbered original series Star Trek movies are good and all the odd-numbered ones are bad. Yeah. Uh, I think I kind of touched on it last week. I don't think that's quite true because I do think that the first movie is good. But I think it is yes, because otherwise... I don't think 2 is super good and this one also I don't think is super... Like This, I think, is on the level of Star Trek 2, which is that See, it is fine. Is yeah, it's fine. But I do think that two is better than this one. I disagree uh, I... for one particular reason, which we'll get into later. Okay. I still had a decent time with Star Trek Six. I really like that Klingon yeah. quoting Shakespeare all the time. <laughs> Christopher That's appropriately Plummer. hammy. Yeah. Is he okay, it's... question. Uh huh. Is he supposed to be like Chinese? Who knows? <laughs> well, he's <laughs> he's called the fun and the mystery of the movie. He's called Chang, and then he has sort of that like Genghis Khan, like the stereotypical <laughs> like Fu Manchu sort of it's facial like hair, you, which is weird. It's like he's sitting here, here like kind of hunched over your seat, elbow on your knee, hand on your chin, going, "What race is this Klingon?" <laughs> no, it's just weird because they. <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, "That's kind of weird." And then they call him Chang. And I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Can't believe Christopher Plummer is doing Klingon face. Kind of. Well, <laughs> that, that was kind of the thing. Was I wondered like if they were supposed to be using the Klingons as some sort of stand-in for China or something? That's probably what they would do now. Actually, it's absolutely Back then, what it they would probably do be now. Russia. I think it was maybe supposed to be Russia if it was supposed to be anything, but I think yeah. that Star Trek VI is making a more broad commentary on prejudice than it is specifically about any one conflict. Yeah. Also I will the cover my layer, ass as oddly. I usually do. Yeah. I'll cover my ass like I usually do and say I might be wrong about that. I've not read into Star Trek VI's production at all. Uh, the only one I ever really read into was 
uh, one and four. So I don't know what went on behind the scenes or what they were trying to make a commentary on specifically, but Kirk's prejudice is at the front and center of the movie. Um, I do well, think that's an interesting fair, though, thing that they did with a good Kirk's reason. character. Yeah, kind of. Like, so, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good reason. Yeah, you know, a little bit. Uh, they killed his boy. Yeah. On the Genesis planet, they killed his boy. He didn't even get to bury him. Let him die. Yeah. Oh, that's such that line delivery is so good. Yeah. It's really, really good. All the people out there who kept showing the picture of Ivan Drago going, if he dies, he dies. Uh, back when the pandemic was like people were refusing the vaccine and dying off. They should have been using the Kirk GIF. It's way better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh the, the I again don't have like this great context for the original series. I've seen a few episodes from it. I don't think that Kirk's character like my sense of him is that he's very egalitarian. He's a good guy. He doesn't hold prejudice in his heart. So an interesting thing that they do with him over the course of these films is they start to build this hatred in him for the Klingons due to the death of his son. And you finally get the the resolution to this. You get him letting go of this stuff and learning to work past it in this movie. And that coincides with the Klingons letting go of their animosity for the Federation and trying to come to the table on these like peace accords. Uh, the other half of that is... Moon. Yeah, the other half of that is their fucking moon blew up. So they yeah. kind of have to. Um, but as somebody who watched all of DS9 and is going through TNG now, where the relationship between the Federation and the Klingons is very different than it was in these movies or TOS, like it's neat to actually see like how they got to that point. And that's yeah. very much what this movie series like. If it has an overarching plot, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. So I, I maybe got a little bit more out of Star Trek Six than you did because it, it specifically feeds into all this other stuff that I'm now forced to go through. I mean, I got to see Kirk kick a pig man in his knee nuts, so that was pretty good. <laughs> that was good. Do you like the fact that there's a shapeshifter? Yeah, in this? Iman. It's specifically not a changeling, though. Nope. It's different. Not a founder. No. There's part of me that kind of wishes. But wish Iman that they is kind way of... hotter than that weirdo changeling lady oh, yeah. that Odo was way into. So I'm okay. I do with like this. I do like this movie. It has a completely serious version of the thing where you have two identical looking yep. characters. Yep. Someone's pointing a gun at them. <laughs> They're like, no, they're the real one. Or I'm the real one. They're Wabbit the season, one. duck season, fire, basically <laughs> is what he does at the end. Um I yes, this movie also featured uh as the Klingon Chancellor uh David Warner, who was also in the next generation episode Chain of Command. And oh, then no. also I might to claws of brains infectious. <laughs> yep, it had, I'm hurting my friend. It had Kurt Wood Smith, who was also in well, I forgot the name of the episode, <laughs> but he was a Cardassian <laughs> in DS9. Neat to see. Oh Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking I like of the like whole... speaking of Chinese, like that Federation president looked like he should be training the bride on how to do a one inch punch. What was that about? Oh, I don't know. I was very confused about that guy because for like the, the first scene that he's in, I thought he was a Klingon. 
because yeah, his makeup yeah. kind of makes him look like he's got a like big weird head uh-huh. and then like they're like no federation president and not, so i got no idea what species he's supposed to be or what the deal is with that but very oh, no. confusing for me i wonder if he showed up in the original series at all probably not the same if he's actor. like well, I, who knows? Like, Sarek keeps showing up in everything, True. and that's the same actor. Like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a carryover from the original series and that, you know, fans of Star Trek would just instinctively know who that is. Well, again, though, like, Kerwood Smith basically came to prominence with RoboCop, and I feel like he would not have been old enough to have been on the original series. True. Um, At least not as president. Well, also, well, also, there's the Star Trek thing too. Of even though this actor is in this thing, he'll appear later in Star Trek, but as a totally different character. Uh, which is my way of segueing into the fact that Cisco's dad is again in yep. this movie, and is one of the primary antagonists. Which then must make watching DS9 very weird that he just shows up as a total because usually when like an actor shows up multiple times in the Star Trek, there is like they're weird covered alien. under yeah yeah they're covered under layers of makeup and so it's it's you know Brunt and mm-hmm. Wayu and they're both Jeffrey Combs sure. but you're never really confused about it when they're on screen at the same time. This is just a dude. You're just delighted by it. Yeah. Oh, when you see him in the same episode though, that one time. Yeah. Like oh man, getting in for yeah. He um, shows up again. Uh, Jeffrey Combs plays another character in Enterprise, which was one of the main reasons where I was like, I should give Enterprise a try, just because I really like Jeffrey Combs. Trying to help me remember the the DS9 episode Kurtwood Smith was in. Was that the one where they sentenced um, O'Brien to mind jail? I'm not sure. I think it I, was. I do not remember. I rem- well, I remember he was as like. It was on this Cardassian sort of council, but I don't remember if it was that or the one where they like ripped out O'Brien's teeth. It might have been that the other teeth one. ripping out episode. So I don't want to get too far away from the movies like I did last week, but on the subject of Chief Miles O'Brien, the most important person on Starfleet, yeah, I was surprised to see how much he starts showing up in season two of TNG. Okay. Like he's definitely just a, a full-on tertiary character in that he is operating the, uh, the the teleportation. He's beaming people down all the time, so you see a lot of him. And the first time that they hold one of Riker's pro- poker games, O'Brien is sitting at the table. Yeah. So I just like that you know this this very important recurring thing from TNG. Everyone always knows you know Riker's poker games. O'Brien was at the foundation of that. That's how important and great of a character O'Brien is. Well, speaking of TNG, then, how about this? How about Michael Dorn appearing in Star Trek VI as uh, the worst lawyer of all time? Like the Klingon equivalent of Lionel Hutz over here. (laughs) So I was going to get to that through this, so I'm glad that you just bridged the gap for me. (laughs) This weirded me the fuck out. I had a little bit to drink before I started Star Trek VI, and I was, like, laying on the couch, kind of, like, half-passed out watching this movie. Uh, And Michael Dorn shows up, and I was very confused. Yeah, me too. I I thought maybe I passed out for a second. Because I was like, wait, this is after TNG TNG started, so, like, is he supposed to be Worf or what? He is a Worf. So I, I went and looked... Yeah, so I went and looked this up because I... I couldn't tell if this was just, well, 
they gave Michael Dorn a cameo because he's playing this character yeah. Worf in TNG, which is airing concurrent with this. Uh, he plays Worf's grandfather, apparently. Oh, okay. So it makes sense. Uh, but I also like that Worf's actual sure. like familial lineage is n- not even necessarily a, war- a warrior, but a lawyer who's also very bad at his job. So just bad lawyer, yeah. Worf who exists to get his ass kicked every single episode of TNG, and then Worf's fucking son, <laughs> who is just the greatest singular walking disaster in any Trek property, just a complete line of failures, the War family. Like imagining Martok now saying like, you're a warrior, a grandson of a lawyer. <laughs> a weird oh, way God, of pronouncing really things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was weird seeing Michael Dorn show up in this. On, on the same subject of Michael Dorn and, and Worf being a failure, one of the last episodes of TNG that I finished uh, has another shape-shifting species in it. Uh, this species, their base form is like some weird furry looking creature that has to be played by a little person, but it can turn into it turn into anybody. It can turn into an old lady uh, or it can turn into. Oh, I'm blanking on the actress's name. She worked at the Double R Diner. She's uh, Bobby's girlfriend. Oh, Magenamic? Yes. The shapeshifter turns into her for Ooh. one scene in this episode of TNG. <laughs> and then shifts from her into a weird furry monster creature. And they do like the <laughs> Animorphs shifting effect. Nice. I was very confused. Um, but yeah, this it typically takes the form of this old lady. And it's Shelley. like a protector to character. this. I'm blanking Thank on you. it for some uh, reason. Yeah, I was blanking on it too, even though like I looked this up before starting this episode because I wanted to bring it up. And then just totally talked to too much about disaster report and just forgot about everything else. Um, but yeah, it, it turns into this old lady and it's like protecting this uh, princess that they have aboard the enterprise. And so she's going around, she's criticizing every slight design flaw in the enterprise and saying that basically it's going to kill this woman who she's charged with protecting. And there's this real good bit of her going into the sick bay and she sees a patient that Dr. Plasky is working on. And she asks what the condition is, and Plasky says, well, it's this contagious disease, but, like, the filtration system on the Enterprise is so good, there's no risk at all of contagion. And then she's like, no, you need to kill the patient! Kill them, kill them, murder them! And so Worf is with her, and he's like, no, you can't do that. And so this old woman whips Worf's ass. And so for the rest of the episode, like, anytime she interacts with him, she's just like, hey, remember that time I beat you stupid? And I'm an old lady! That's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. I mean, yeah, you should. For many reasons. It's just great. This whole episode, Worf is just getting dunked on for being so much of a fucking failure as a Klingon. And so then, yeah, you you get Star Trek VI. His grandfather is a failure. DS9, his son is a failure. The Worfs are the worst. He leads the Klingon Empire at one point. Very briefly, can you imagine if he just stuck with that? No. Klingons would have been dead. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing Gowron was there. Clean up the mess. Yeah. Jeez. So, Star Trek VI, what about it? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I went on a really long rant about Worf. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about Worf again. (laughs) 
Uh, Star Trek Six is a, a fun little movie. It's not sure. the it's not the best out of that series by any means. We already no. talked about the best one last week, uh, and it's not the worst. That that Search for Spock movie is real dull, even though it has Christopher Lloyd playing a Klingon, and it should like, be great for I like that how reason. That and then also you say like five is the worst, and then you're like, well, you have this theory that the odd number or the even numbered ones are the good <laughs> ones, and then you're like, well, three is pretty boring, and five sucks, and one, eh, I like it, but. Eh. <laughs> Well, no, I, I do think that one is a overall solid movie. I really don't fully understand the hatred that thing gets. I, I understand that there are a few sequences that they drag on too long and they're kind of dull. But like when you compare that to how much of that movie is really fucking good, it's very little of it. But you say Easy that and then past... you're like, I don't understand why you only watched half of these movies. <laughs> I think you should watch the, the first right Star decision. Trek movie. No, absolutely oh, not. Oh, it's great. Yeah, Veger. Veger is great. Don't care. Little bald lady. She's fully functional. She's moist in all the right places, according to Dr. McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) How did McCoy know that? And then here he doesn't know Klingon (laughs) biology. Well, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff where, like, characters just become conveniently stupid for the yeah, sake of the plot, just sure. in Star Trek in general. There's this episode of TNG <laughs> where this <laughs> <Okay. laughs> just ruining my goddamn brain. There's this episode of TNG where they come in contact with a ship that is a, a sister ship to the Enterprise, and it's fallen apart. The lights are going off, the warp cores melting down, and it blows up. And so Picard accesses the data logs to figure out what's going on. And oh no, now the Enterprise is acting weird. No one figures out for a substantial amount of the episode that they got infected with a computer virus. And that the virus is it's uploading like it's in conflict with the operating system of the Enterprise. And so everything's just going haywire. And it then takes the entirety of the episode before somebody just comes up with the solution of, well, we should do a factory reset. Yeah. If, if we just roll back to, like, the out-of-the-box version of Windows, that'll fix everything. And all they needed to do was consult Dr. Mantis Toboggan. He'd tell you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dr. Troy just yelling, BUG! <laughs> <laughs> it's a computer virus. It's not Dr. Troy. I'm thinking Dr. Crusher. Troy's... I mean, she's technically the ship's counselor, but she's really bad at her job. Guinan is better as a counselor than Troy, for Christ's sake. Yeah, what's uh, Guinan's deal anyway? Is she like a Q? So they never uh, answer that, because I looked this up, because that's what my impression was, and it's one of those things Is that one of those hats like a Q? They just sort of pose the mystery of what Guinan is, and then they never resolve it. Hmm. Uh, which okay. means since she and Q are appearing in the second season of Picard, they will probably resolve it, which I think is maybe a bad move. I think that's one of those things where it's better if you actually don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, she's got some weird thing going on. She's some sort of ancient creature, but she's great in the second season of TNG. Like, Gundam's actually one, one of the point. highlights. She, yeah, she just pulls it out from underneath her bar. Yeah. She's into the ceiling. Uh-huh. Seems like a bad idea on a pressurized spaceship, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, like it, 
I I kind of get that when that episode came out, like computers. I guess it, the 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 natural reaction to having a virus that is just going and and wreaking complete havoc on your system, like the solution of doing a factory reset wasn't at the forefront of everybody's mind. So going back and watching it as a man from the year 2021, the solution to getting rid of the virus was very very simple and obvious. Yeah, go to a restore point. I mean, you don't really yeah. want to go. You don't want to wipe everything and lose all your data, including data. You don't want to lose data. data. Gets infected. Data gets infected with the virus in that episode. Exactly. Yeah, there's a scene at the end of the episode where they close Data's eyes and are like, we've lost him. Like, the virus <sighs> killed Data. Oh, no. And then he just wakes up, and he doesn't remember getting infected with the virus. And that's how they figure out, like, oh, Data went to a restore point. And that's how we get rid of the virus. Cool. Yeah. This is positronic brain. Mm-hmm. That's what they, they figured out, that it, it's always repairing itself. Um uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff like that where you start watching it and, and there's a mystery, but it's very obvious to you, the viewer, what is going on. But the characters need to be very dumb about it, otherwise you don't have a plot. And so there's certain things like that in these these movies too, where the characters just have these complete lapses in, in judgment. Um, but I do think the mystery of like who ended up... So a, a major plot point of this film oh is that uh, the... What? what? <laughs> yes. I was going to talk about them solving the mystery of what okay, happens good. to the space boots. Yes, back to yeah when they get the uh, face-off boots. Yeah. Uh, the the Klingon ship that is meeting the Enterprise to begin kind of the peace negotiations it falls under attack from the Enterprise. Torpedoes shoot from it, uh, damaging the ship, and then two people beam aboard and they shoot the Chancellor. And what looks like one of the coolest Daft Punk music videos of all time hell yes yeah and so a decent amount of the movie is devoted to solving the mystery of what exactly happened how is it that the enterprise fired torpedoes even though nobody on the bridge authorized it who are the two people who beamed aboard what's going on with this this conspiracy are there people involved in it on the klingon side and i think the way that they handle that stuff is actually pretty engaging even though there are elements of that where it is obvious to you the viewer what is going on yeah. and specifically i mean that brand new vulcan character who we've never seen before uh-huh. <laughs> might be in on it yeah like why that's... kim cattrall is acting so shifty all the time <laughs> why is it every time she's on screen her eyes dart from left to right i don't <laughs> understand yeah uh specifically when i'm talking about characters behaving very dumbly i'm thinking of the bit where they're in like <laughs> they're in the kitchen and she vaporizes the uh the pot and leaves the mashed yeah. potatoes behind that's first pretty of, good first of all there's just a panel in the kitchen that has a couple phasers in it yeah. i guess and oh, she just yeah. whips one of them out but like Chekhov is just like well maybe they vaporized it and so she like blows up a pot and she just it this sets off an alarm and she's like mr Chekhov, you should know that if anyone fires a phaser on the ship it alerts everybody mm-hmm. and then everybody like, yes Chekhov. yeah but like yes, Chekhov should know that he's yeah. been on that ship way longer than she has. What the fuck, Chekhov? Well, that's to yeah, for the audience. Sure, like I get it. That's what I'm saying. Those characters behave dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the the service of the plot. Um. Honestly, I did <laughs> I not also... know that though. Like, is that something they just made up for this? I think it's something they just made up for this. Okay. Because I like, also I get wondered that... about that because yeah, like 
we've seen in DS9 that people can just get vaporized completely from phasers. And then I thought, well, maybe it was just back then they didn't really have it worked out how phasers worked or something. Well, so I think that if you wanted to preserve Chekhov's intelligence, not turn him into a big dumb boy in the middle of this movie, you could have just had like some sort of ensign who was there and asks a very stupid question because they don't know any better. Uh, like Christian but I do Slater. Like that. Christian Slater. Uh, One of the most I bizarre do... cameos I think I've seen in any movie. I do like, though, that later on they're doing basically a Cinderella thing to figure out who had these uh, boots. Because the anti-gravity, or, or the gravity system on the Klingon ship goes haywire, and the people being bored, they have gravity boots, so they're not affected by it. Mm-hmm. So it becomes, okay, well, who is going to fit into the boots? Which one problem is, I bet multiple people on the fucking Enterprise are going to have the same shoe size, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Start putting the boots on everybody. But you get this good scene where they call someone in and check off his real smug because he's pretty sure this is the guy. And they pan down, he's got weird claw feet that cannot possibly fit inside of that boot or any boot. Yeah. That was a good um, bit. It is. But I don't know why they made Chekhov stupid as fuck in this movie. <laughs> Well, look, the guys in 4 maybe would have some things to say about this. Oh, maybe it's because of uh, his brain injury yeah. in 4. Well, maybe yeah, that's maybe. why he's stupid at 6. Yeah, he fell off that ship and cracked his head, and it's never been the same <laughs> since. He's still on the Enterprise out of pity? <laughs> like, yes, Mr. Chekhov, sit right here. You're very his important. Console, his control console isn't hooked up to anything. He pushes a button and it just makes a cow moo. It has a little knob he can turn That makes noises It's a button and a voice just says Now bop it, twist it (laughs) Pull it Oh poor Chekhov Sometimes it dispenses treats for him If he does a good job (laughs) Sure Chekhov snacks (laughs) You've been a very good boy, Mr. Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Captain. Uh, I think that probably gets us into the last thing I wanted to talk about with okay. this movie, which is something that I touched on last week. Which is, boy, it's real weird seeing George Takai and William Shatner interact in uh, this movie. Well, they interact, they are in the same room once, near the end. Yeah. Uh, and we're... Takei is next to him and Sulu has this really weird forced smile that makes him look like uh, James Qual almost Oh yeah, they they definitely want to be there Oh yeah, absolutely Uh, But yeah, other than that, that's especially good because they are there side by side at that part And then it cuts to them talking on view screens at the end And then it does like the Furious 7 ships going in opposite direction Things like Sulu died Like George, this, this to, devoted to the memory of George Takei. They had to like CGI him into. There was something <laughs> yeah. off about him. Like he just really did not want to be there for any of this. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but do you see what I mean specifically about how you can tell because you have the context of these two actors not getting along, and you yeah. can tell because they are only in like a single shot in the movie. That the only way either of them were going to do this is if they could just record their parts separate from one another. Yep. But 
the, the people writing the movie really want to let the audience know that even though these two actors don't get along, their characters still like each other. Sulu uh-huh. and Kirk are friends. Uh-huh. And so every scene where they talk, they are really like... <laughs> There's a certain sort of phony atmosphere to it of just like every time they call each other Captain Kirk and Captain Sulu, it is the writers reassuring the audience that everybody's friends. Yeah. It's just so fucking weird. Especially as time has gone on from this and you get more and more of George Takei just trying to drag (laughs) William Shatner on Twitter. And there was a part early on where I think um, Spock calls him just Sulu and Shatner has to call him like Mr. or uh, Captain Sulu. Yeah. You know, just just let you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the weirdest part about this all too to me, because I wanted to after watching this look up like, okay, well what specifically was the beef between these two? And apparently like James Doohan hated William Shatner way, way more than George Decay. Huh. Like George, there's there's an interview where George was just like, Yeah, I was surprised that I God what I, mean, was I thought exactly? everybody hated him, really. Everyone did, but I guess that there was this surprise that, like, George was the one to be the most vocal about it, because behind the scenes, everyone knew that Doohan really had it out for William Shatner. Mm. Like, he was the worst about it. But Doohan, being a consummate professional, was not out in public about it all the fucking time, apparently, and also would just suck it up and appear on screen with... William Shatner and and read his fucking lines and put in a good performance. Mm-hmm. Unlike George Takei, who is too petty to do this. Hit your mark, say your lines. Yeah. Not, I mean, I like George Takei. I think he's a perfectly fine guy. But should have uh, should have played the English dub them. of Yakuza Like a Dragon so you could hear George Takei. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a there was a certain point where the cutscenes were going on too long, and I was like, I'm not reading all this shit. Hmm. Let them say the lines. Uh, who's he? But yeah, uh, it's who's he voice in that? I don't know. Doesn't he voice? Um, what's the character's name? Ichiban's patriarch. Oh, okay. I got, Yeah, that's who Isn't I would have guessed. Probably. I don't know. I played it in Japanese. I oh, turned the English voice acting dub. on. I, I turned the English voice acting on after that character kind of disappeared for a while. Oh, but I know okay. that George Takei is in it. But I yeah. think that's who he plays. Yeah, that, um, yeah that's who I would have guessed because I figured he probably had the least screen time. So yeah, <sighs> they should have George Takei play uh, Xehanort. Hey, speaking Xehanort curse, he'll be in the next one to go. <laughs> Oh no! That's right. Uh, kind of off topic, but uh, I just thought of it. Uh, did you see the trailer for the Chucky show? I did. So, I also saw the trailer to the Ghostbusters thing. No, well, I did not see that, and I will and not I, see I need, that. I need the Chucky show to be good. I need this one thing. It seems like it'll Baldi's... be all right. Like having Don Mancini there and Brad Dourif yeah. gives me hope. Yes, as soon as I heard Brad Dourif's voice and I knew he was involved with this and not that fucking hack, Mark Hamill. 
<laughs> so that was, that was why I, I thought of this because this. my brain linked to this because I was thinking I don't want to play another Yakuza game dubbed after the first one, and Mark Hamill was Majima in the dub of yeah. the original game, and so then I thought Mark Hamill also was Chucky in that new bad movie, and then but they're bringing back real Chucky. Yeah. So. Brad Dorf, I, I can't as we pronounce last week was also on Star Trek. That's right. I I can't pronounce Colmstone Creamery, but my brain can link all of those things within about a second. So <laughs> it's you and your positronic brains, just mm, all this. All this yes, ex- except instead of repairing itself constantly, it's just degrading further and further, but in <laughs> bizarre ways, like creating a fungus. Yeah, the... The Ghostbusters trailer is basically the same thing as the first one, where it's very much done in the style of the Force Awakens trailer, where there's a certain, like, holy reverence for the original material. It's the shit that I can't stand nowadays, where if it's a sequel to something that's decades apart from the original, and that original property is something that a lot of people were very fond of back in, like, the 80s and early 90s, you can't have fun with it. It needs to like establish that everything you liked as a kid was better than great. It was a religious experience, and it is sacrosanct. It has to be I... reverential to the movie where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost and ter- makes his eyes go cross. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, great. One of those kids. One of those kids should be the baby of Dan Aykroyd and the blowjob ghost. <laughs> sure. And they will not. I know they will not do that, and it makes me very angry. If I wrote Ghostbusters sure Afterlife, things would be different around here. That's why it's called Afterlife, because the kid's like technically a ghost. It's half ghost. Yeah, it'd be great. I, uh, someone I follow on Twitter by the name of Brandon was uh, bringing up that, like, the original movie is supposed to be a comedy. There's no jokes at all in that trailer. There's nothing funny about it. Again, it's, just, it's the typical, like, sacrosanct, everything you liked as a kid was amazing and religious thing. Uh, except there's one part where one of the kids looks at Paul Rudd and says, it's the apocalypse. And so I know that they're going to do the cats and dogs shit. And I know that every single joke that's in this movie is just going to be a reference to jokes from the first movie. Okay. And we'll have jokes. I they're all jokes. going to be jokes that you've heard before. <laughs> Nothing then, I like the, more the, than jokes. Well, it came up in the conversation, too, that the Ecto-1 has a gunner seat. And so I was like, I bet you there was a toy way back when that had a gunner seat on the Ecto-1 and it's going to be a reference to that and it's going to be in every fucking things you missed in Ghostbusters Afterlife list. And I didn't look up to see whether or not this was true until after I had like posed that theory. And sure enough, there's an Ecto-1 toy with a fucking gunner seat from like the real Ghostbusters. So it's like if they made a Ninja Turtles movie and they had a van that shot pizzas out of it. Yes. Great. Didn't they do that though in the last one? Don't know. I didn't watch the new ones. They had the van. I know they had the okay. van, but I don't think it shot. Yeah, I think it shot not. pizza discs. But you mean like the the live action ones? Yeah, the last the the sequel to the the first. Um, oh, who directed that? Michael Mann. Michael Mike, Mann. Michael Bay. <laughs> I would really like to see a Michael Mann Ninja Turtles movie. That'd be great. Imagine James Caan as Shredder. <laughs> I want to imagine that very badly. Okay. Computer. <laughs> Manhattan, 1980s, James Conner Schroeder. Um, 
no, that Ghostbusters thing looks terrible. And then I watched the uh, the Child's Play trailer right after that, and it was just night and day between those two things, where, like, the Child's Play thing seems like it's at least having fun being Child's Play. Yeah. It's all the things I want out of Child's Play. That doll is it's voiced by Brad Dourif, and I bet he swears a whole fucking lot, yeah. and he loves to kill. Those are yeah. all the things you need for a good Child's Play. That's basically it. Also, the thing with that is like, it being on sci-fi would have worried me before I'd seen Happy. But after seeing that, I'm like, all right, they'll just go all out on something if they want yeah. to. I kind of get Happy vibes from that. Like, they're they're going to yeah. at least approach it with, like, they're not going to be super self-serious about it. They're going to have fun is what I got from that trailer. I love to have fun. I love Brad I Dura. like to have fun, too. Yeah. You ever not see, allowed to have um, fun anymore. Wise Blood? No, it's a good movie. You should check that out. It's John uh, John Huston movie, uh, starring that episode Brad Dourif. of the X Files that he was in was really fun. Yeah, everyone everyone's having a good time on that episode. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dishonored, yeah, one I mean, of the best Brad Dourif roles. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in all your serious shows, you got to have a comedy episode, and you know, they brought that Brad Dourif yeah. on because no one has quite the same comedic timing as Brad Dourif. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the bit in that trailer where that kid gets the doll at the start, and you got that voiceover of the woman dragging her finger over the, the like knife, the block of knives, and going like, "Huh, weird." Butcher knife is gone. <laughs> it's like. You, you could sell that shot completely visually, but I like that they had to go out of their way because people are very stupid. <laughs> also, apparently that show is still, like, in canon. Like, it is still a sequel to the others because apparently Jer- uh, Jennifer Tilly is going to be in it. So. Yeah, that's the weird thing about Child's Play is I don't, outside of that one with Mark Hamill, they yeah. never really rebooted the continuity. And the Mark Hamill one, for its attempt to do that, failed miserably, and so they're just not bothering they're just reverting back to the canon with it my favorite thing about that mark hamill one is still that it was just literally that treehouse of horror episode where somebody switched the switch from bad or from good to bad and that was it yeah it's terrible (laughs) but like the the main kid from the first movie comes back as an adult in like uh i think it's the cult of chucky like that last one yeah it's like at the very end no, there's one where he's in it for much more of it. I oh. think he's like the main character. Yeah, there's one where it's just like the like... very end is like Chucky gets mailed to him and comes out of a box and he immediately gets shot. Yeah. Like so the one that following kid. that, I saw just this one scene where like he goes on a date and his date realizes he's some weird gun freak. Except he's got like a good reason. He's got all these guns and weapons because there's a killer doll that keeps coming after <laughs> yeah. him. Who he now keeps inside of a safe with Chucky's head like hiked on this big nail or something he just like has his severed head there and pulls him out every now and then to torture him and he like lights up a joint and chucky's just like hey let me get a hit of that pal (laughs) and so he shares a joint with chucky i should watch all these movies i think child's play like only briefly once forgot what it was fucking about and they at least had the decency to not drag brad dorf through the mud in that movie yeah his record remains clean but yes i'm hopeful for the child's play show it must be somewhere isn't there like that streaming service for like horror stuff specifically because i bet it would be on that shutter yeah maybe yes 
I think that actually maybe the last two movies were like Shutter exclusive, weren't they? Like, I, I don't. Uh, I think they're whatever I, I is the equivalent now of straight to. Well, I was going to say, yeah, they're the equivalent now of whatever straight to video, which is just straight to streaming. Uh, well, I mean, I think when those came out, they did actually come out. Stuff. I might have. Let me. Uh, I want to say that. I want to say the one that takes place in the asylum that was actually like not good. It just has that bit at the end of it, though, where they bring that character back. I don't know about the other one, though. Apparently, sci-fi has it. I don't know if that's like a subscription thing or if you can just watch it. Huh. Weird. But that's uh, well, that's Cult of Chucky that I looked up. That's the most recent yeah. one. Um, well, anyway, is that the one in the hospital? Yes, I think that's Cult of Chucky. What was the one before that? I'm not sure. Well, Curse. I hope there's one before that. I think it's Curse. Curse of Chucky was the one before that. That's I think the one in the hospital because this has like a girl in a wheelchair be. on the cover. Yeah. It don't matter. Well, just tell me, tell me how to watch Seed of Chucky. That's the one that <laughs> Red Man gets his disemboweled in that movie. Uh, Netflix sci-fi. Perfect. All right. Time to renew my Netflix subscription. I got some child's play to watch. Do you think Glenn will be in the show? Oh, they would be a mistake not to. That should yeah. be the tease at the end of the first season. That sets up the second season. He's coming back. It looks like basically all the older ones are Netflix sci-fi. So, mm. all right. Anyway, I like that the track record for Ghostbusters is there's one good movie, one mediocre one, and then a shit one, and soon to be probably another shit one. Child's Play, however, keeps on winning. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> There's probably a worse ratio of like bad to good Star Wars movies than there is Child's Play. Oh, definitely. That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. How like Star Wars is hinging everything on Empire Strikes Back. Child's Play, you got like three fantastic movies right out of the gate. You like all three of the first ones? I never yeah. saw two or three. Just saw the They're first. They're still pretty good. Okay. Wait, no, I that, saw part the... of two. I think as far as callbacks go because it's like a very popular thing for this sort of shit i do hope that like somebody threatens to harm chucky because he won't talk and then he does the whole like you fucking bitch you stupid <laughs> slut i'll teach you to fuck with me <laughs> it's my single favorite bit out of all the child's play movies because brad dorf just completely nails that line yeah i it's just unfortunate that these days they won't have a little person in the Chucky outfit and then like gets like kicked into yeah. a fireplace or something. <laughs> Cause that yeah. was like the funniest bit. They forgot about Kenny Baker in the Chucky outfit. Yeah. Everyone went to lunch. He was hot in there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone doesn't know. I'm... Was it actually there was Kenny a Baker? thing that happened on the, no, oh. I'm referencing that like on the set of Star oh, Wars, there was like Kenneth Baker got left in the R2 outfit and everyone went to lunch and he almost died in there. I knew about that, <laughs> but I thought maybe he actually was no. Chucky too. No, I'm not sure who was in the Chucky outfit, but. Oh yeah, God, whatever. it would be amazing if it was the same actor who played the leprechaun in the Chucky outfit. Or that Davis? would be beautiful. I don't think yeah. it was. I know it wasn't, but like that would be such an amazing thing for me, a huge Rorick Davis fan, if he was also like somehow attached to Child's Play. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Man. Star yeah, Trek anyway, 6. Yeah, anyway, Star Trek 6, yeah, it's all right. 
So what I was going to say is to... I, I prefer this to Wrath of Khan specifically because I feel like the whole angle of we got to find who the traitor is. We've got to deduce who did it. Also, uh, Spock at one point implies um, Sherlock Holmes is his ancestor. Yes, that is Whoa. a canon thing. Okay. He is related to Sherlock Holmes. What? Sherlock Sherlock Holmes is a real person in the Star Trek universe, which makes Data's escapades on the holodeck even more strange because in there it is treated as a work of fiction because the whole issue with Moriarty getting loose is, well, you're basically giving a corporeal body to literature's greatest villain. And we can't have that. Like that sort of mind is, is limitless in its wickedness and cunning because it's a fictional character. And yet Sherlock is real. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because he he just says something like a, a an ancestor of mine once said. He he just like describes deductive theory and like yeah. what, oh, okay. The implication there is that Sherlock Holmes is a real person in Star Trek. I mean, there's also so. the bit where they say like, you don't understand Shakespeare until you've read it in the original Klingon, which I thought was just supposed to be a joke, but now I don't know. Yeah, I well, I really love love it if Shakespeare was actually a Klingon yeah. that somehow like crash landed on Earth. That'd be be real good. Yeah, I mean Guinan was palling around with Mark Twain. Yeah. So who knows? Um who uh who's the guy that messes everything up in TNG? I don't think I've got there yet. I, I think I know yes, who you're you talking you know, about. You know the guy. Um I know the guy. They give him like he gets a he tries to wire his brain into the Enterprise, but I don't think at this point in Star Trek he's been introduced as a character yet. Okay, where I'm at at least. I just know at one point he interacts with Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking. I don't remember the character's name because, uh, like I said, he hasn't shown up. I don't think. Yeah. If he's shown up, it might have been like O'Brien in the first season, where like he's in a scene, he has a single line, and then he just doesn't show up for like another couple seasons or something. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, that second season so far has been really weird because there was a writer's strike at the time. And like all writer's strikes before and after, it results in some of the best television and some <laughs> of the worst television. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the barometer is all over the fucking place so far. Like you get Measure of a Man, fantastic. The next episode, Shelly's morphing into a weird furry little creature <laughs> and scurrying around the Enterprise. It's... The, the fucking whiplash I'm experiencing. Like, I, I'm genuinely sorry. I know that we're talking about the movies and I keep going off the rails in TNG, <laughs> but you need to understand the second season of TNG has been just so goddamn bizarre. It's really hard for me to not want to talk about it. We'll have more to talk about next week when uh, we will be discussing First Contact. Star Trek Generations. No, I'm not going to watch Generations. <laughs> No, I'm I'm not moving to the TNG movies until I'm done with TNG. That's so. that's very stupid. That's how it takes place. Like I'm going chronological here. No, I'm that... not going to skip ahead. I don't know who well, these characters did. are. Because this, what are movie... the Borg? I haven't seen them yet. <laughs> this movie came out after like what, season three or four, maybe more of TNG. Or Queen's kind of hot is my controversial. Yes, of course take. she is. Why? You... That's not a controversial take. <laughs> Idiot. She's just a she. She's she's only a human from the collarbone up, Larry. Yeah, so that's all you need. She's just dangling around. 
Okay, my actual controversial take is I'm kind of developing a little bit of a crush on late 80s Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> See, I knew that would be some freak shit, you ever but watch, I said it anyway. Uh, ever watch Theodore Rex? No, but I'm thinking I should. I mean, she's got she's wearing like a weird leather future cop uniform oh, in that. It might... You might be interested in it. I don't know. Really... That looks like the thing uh, Annie Lennox wears in the Missionary Man video. There's this really weird um, sequence. So again, in the episode with the weird shape-shifting creature, uh, Wesley is, of course, attract- attracted to the princess. And a lot of the episode is just a Wesley episode because oh, he just wants to figure out how to talk to girls, which that that stuff sucks. But everything around it is really good. Um. But he approaches Riker for help at one point, and Riker calls over Guinan, and he's going. To, he's just like, okay, well, just learn from my example about how I talk to women. And so, oh, Riker no. and Guinan have this like flirtatious back and forth, and then eventually, he does the thing where Wesley's like, I don't think this is helping, and Riker's like, Shut up, get out of here. <laughs> I'm trying to alone. fuck Guinan, you little freak. Jesus Christ. Anyway. We need to move on because my brain. Well, okay. What I was has saying so was, many things wrong with it from watching I, Star Trek. Just so many things. I know, but what I was saying was I prefer this to Wrath of Khan because that whole thing of trying to find the traitor is more engaging. Uh, the That's end fight also fair. the thing where it's like we're going to rig up this torpedo so it will detect uh, the gas emissions and track it that way and we'll find them. That's way better than just we're gonna move down and then they'll go sure. in front of us and then we move up and shoot them. It's a much more involved and uh, clever solution. I think for me, the the reason that Wrath of Khan wins out is I just find Khan to be a much more compelling villain. Well, sure. But also, I do like Christopher Plummer just quoting Shakespeare all the time. I do too, but Khan especially not wanting to speak Klingon, which is great. Yeah. Because he like he starts speaking Klingon during that trial part, and then it's just like, oh, we're just gonna do the hunt for Red October thing of he's gonna speak English. Yeah, probably a a wise choice. Yeah, Uh, because I don't know if you've ever tried to speak Klingon. Oh no, it's a lot of flim. Yeah, and it appropriately feels every time you try to do it like you're saying something very offensive. Yeah, the Oogie Kmiktak. Yeah, has the Legend of Zoltar on it. Batleth. I've just been thinking about those a lot lately. Nobody, I kind of want one. Nobody wants a Batleth. What are you talking about? I kind of want one. It looks really dangerous. It looks like a child made it. It does. It <laughs> looks like there's no way you could actually use one in combat without hurting yourself. I think that there was something that, like, some sort of weapons expert thing that proved that, like, yeah, as a weapon, it's functionally worthless. Well, yeah, like, of course. If anything, you're just way more prone to getting yourself hurt. Uh, which just makes me like it even more. Anyway, the second season of Lower Decks is coming out at the end of the year. wonder if they ever did a Forged in Fire episode where they had to make a Batleth. They should have. Oh, man, yeah, they should. Oh, that'd be really good. Make, make your, your, batleth is, your Batleth is crooked. Yeah, for that, you must be eliminated. I w- but yeah. yes, I would like to see a guy like try to test it on like a ballistics dummy and stuff and being like, yeah. your Batleth can keel. <laughs> oh, that'd be great! Wow. Anyway, 
Uh, ratings, that ratings for Star Trek another... Six. What do you give it? What you, what's your rating? Oh, uh, hmm. Well, I think it's probably fair to compare it to the great works of William Shakespeare, and uh, I would then say it's very close to a Midsummer Night's Dream. It's just a lot of fun. You don't know anything about Shakespeare. No, that's well. I saw that movie Romeo plus Juliet, so <laughs> I know a couple things. Okay. And technically, it's like, accurate text. It's still like uh, in high school, as part of our English class, we, we would read various books were assigned. And what we would do is we would read them kind of like round robin style out loud. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you had to do that. Yep. Probably back in like fucking elementary school, not high school specifically. Yeah. But yes, it, it was in elementary school. <laughs> we would do that. And it, we did it in high school. And one of the ones we had to read was Romeo and Juliet, which... By the way, actually a great idea if you're a teacher trying to get high schoolers to pronounce Shakespearean shit is probably hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like the highlight of the entire semester for you. Right. Uh, but we did that and then at the end of it, he showed us Romeo plus Juliet, I guess to make us like relate to the material better, but it made it worse. Because <laughs> like I actually like reading it kind of thought it was interesting and then we watched that fucking piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like watching a bad movie adaptation of a book you like, and it's like, oh, great. Now, every time I read this, I'm just going to imagine that crap movie. Exactly. So, Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. Forever ruined for me. I, I only think of that movie now, which some people will defend. Those people have something wrong with them. They need to get checked out. Bess Lerman sucks so much. He's never made a good movie. I've only seen that and um, Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge. Both suck. And they're both terrible. Fucking terrible. Yeah, he did Australia too. Right? Yes. Because like awful. I, I remember one of the worst movies I I've ever seen. I haven't seen it. I've heard nothing but bad things about it. So, and and I trust it, considering what that guy's pedigree is. So. Oh yeah, real bad. Yeah. I often confuse him with Julie Taymor, who also makes really bad musicals. They're like heavily style over substance. Because um, Old came out too, you got a lot of people talking about my Shyamalan when, like, I think that dude's probably done two good movies, and I'm positive they were both accidents. Pretty much. Like it's. I don't um, know why people are wanting to spend money to go see Old. I think they're just desperate to be back either. in a the theater. Because. That has to be it. Go download I, a cam rip, you freaks. I liked Don't Unbreakable. Spend money on it. And yeah. I've heard uh, uh, Switch or whatever it is is very good. Split? And I think I mean, that both. Split. Sixth Sense yeah. is good. Like, it's not amazing, but it was good. It's, but that's one of those movies that I think the, the sort of fervor around it, the constant quoting of it, has kind of like yeah. worn down my ability to actually go back and watch the movie itself. Like, I don't think it's bad, but it's it's really a tough ask to get me to watch it again. Um, in all those cases, though, I think that the reason those M. Night Shyamalan movies work is because he managed to get actors who could read basically any material and and make something good out of it. Mm -hmm. um, with exception, to some degree, like, with Bruce Willis. I think Bruce Willis at that point in time absolutely could. Bruce Willis nowadays, I think, oh. is just happy to work. The thing with Sixth Sense is, like, she didn't really get a whole lot of credit for it at the time, but Tony Collette's kind of the MVP of that movie. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Unbreakable is a big oh, yeah. part of what makes Unbreakable work. 
Uh, and then, of course, you know, your your lead actor in, in Swap or whatever the fuck his name <laughs> Split. is. James McAvoy. Thank you. James McAvoy. Well, James okay. McAvoy really pulling his, like, the few scenes I've seen in that movie, if you had anybody else other than James McAvoy in that thing, I think it would have gone down as another terrible M. Night Shyamalan movie. Probably. Did you see The Visit? No. Okay. Should maybe watch that. I've seen, like, one clip from old and the acting in it was so atrocious that people saying it's a good movie like is just bewildering to me well i i say you should watch the visit because i know how hilarious you find elder abuse uh and <laughs> so true. there's a I'm lot laughing just thinking about it yeah there, there's a lot in the visit that you would enjoy mm, yeah, uh, okay you and mike staclasa would get a kick out of the visit <laughs> is it good eh. but still it is funny because M. Night, M. Night was tweeting something like uh, all of his number one debuts, and it was like from 97 till 2004, and then nothing until 2017. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Who remembers oh. Avatar The Last Airbender or After Earth? Or. Oh, God, I forgot he did After Earth. Devil. And we're all stuck in an ele- elevator. Oh, the, it was the devil. The yeah. devil and the the elevator they should have called it, but they didn't for some reason. Marky Mark should just be cast in every M Night Shyamalan thing, though. Like he should play the same character yes. in every. I don't know if his character died I, or something. Honestly, I like, just I completely forgot about the happening. He should just be like this through line where he at least appears in a scene in every M Night Shyamalan movie, and he's the same character, and, and he he's just, just always like, he well, just "Why says, is all this what? stuff always happening to me?" What? No. <laughs> That's his line in every movie. There should be a scene in the beach where the, the main character from the beach, who everybody knows, uh, yeah, Leo wanders DiCaprio. off into like some sort of like jungle area, and then walking around like Dexter is just Marky Mark's character, but he turns around and he's aged horribly, just like in real life. Just skin hanging off of him. He's in some bad Star Trek makeup. It'd be really good. I'm sure they don't do that. So. Anyway, and people defending M. Night Shyamalan now get a fucking life. I don't like any <laughs> of you losers. <laughs> Seems harsh, but okay. You're all dead to me. I want to see uh, Green Knight, but uh, not enough to go to a theater. Sorry to David Lowry. I don't want to go to a theater for anything anymore. Me too. And this. The last couple years of not setting foot inside of a theater have been oh, it's beautiful. Been great. Yeah. And I I am sorry, but I just have zero empathy or understanding for the people who are just like, uh, look, everyone, I took a picture of my ticket. I'm going back to the movie theater. Oh, my Twitter friends, I'm so excited. I'm sitting in the movie theater waiting for the movie to start. Yeah, great. I don't want to experience any of that shit. <laughs> Good I, for you, but I like I got a Blu-ray disc and put it on my TV that's four feet away from me. It's the, the same most thing. Am- amazing movie experience, like new movie experience that I've had in the last two years was being able to start Kong vs. Godzilla in my living room. Love it. At my leisure. Being I mean, able to go make actual food, have a decent lunch while watching this movie. That's brand new. Like, that was amazing. I just wanted to watch new movies like that from now on. I think, so the last movie I saw in a theater was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that was a good experience because it was the only time, really, I've been in a theater that was, like, that packed. 
and yeah. the pop from the theater when the flamethrower comes out is like the Ooh. biggest reaction I've ever heard in a movie Probably theater. Uh, and it also featured uh, maybe about two thirds of the way through a lady next to us visible or audibly saying, "How much longer is this?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that the, was also I. Good. I still do at least want to see a new movie in a theater just so the last one that I've watched is not The Last Jedi. Because I think mm. that is an absolutely rotten way to kind of go out on that experience. It was The Last Jedi? The... It was Rise of Skywalker, you mean? Rise of Skywalker, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Uh, th- I mean, that might also be the most appropriate note to go out <laughs> on because it's just so fucking bad. But like, also the audience watching that thing similarly like people yelling stuff out like i i think i brought it up before but when uh that one i don't remember any of the names of the fucking characters in those movies but the one officer for the uh first or last order whatever it is hux. he betrays yeah hux betrays him and that one lady in the corner of the theater yelling out like oh shit <laughs> was just dead silent except for her just belting that out and then everybody in the theater laughing like that stuff's fun. I like when things like that happen, but like ninety percent of the time is just kids crying and people yeah, on their phones. That's and... see, that stuff never happens to me because usually when I would see a movie, ideally there would be like basically nobody else in the theater, but sometimes yeah. there will be a few, and it's always just like some old person squeaking the straw in and out of their cup. That happened yeah. when I saw Dunkirk, um, or rattling, people kicking the back of the seat, or you're just sitting next to somebody who stinks. Yeah. Like, well, no, that doesn't really happen because I don't sit near oh, people. Um, for for me, it tended to happen all the you time just, because you, you go in the theater, you look to try to find and identify the stinkiest person, and then you go sit next to them. <laughs> I think it's just more where I live; people stink in general. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, the, the theater most of the time I would go see something was fairly packed. Like there, there were some movies where it would be more vacant. Usually they were horror movies, but, and I know I brought this up before too, whenever I would see a horror movie in the theater here, inevitably somebody would bring their fucking kids Mm -hmm. and they would always get terrified naturally and start crying. I don't want to have to listen to your kid cry when I'm watching a horror movie. Yeah, It's even scarier. It part two's bad enough without your kid fucking shrieking in the middle of it, asshole. Like also, also like way to parent traumatizing your like three year old kid by taking them to the scary clown movie. Some great parenting. My rating I was for scared Star of Chucky Trek for. <laughs> I was scared of Chucky for so long because I saw that first one when I was like five, and I guess it kind of worked out because now I love them, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's basically the same way for me with Gremlins. I saw that at a young age, and it like scarred me. And then later, it's like, yeah, this is pretty good. You might uh, have told this on here before too. I can't remember, but when I like convinced my friend when I was around that age to watch because I loved Gremlins when I first saw it at like age six. Yeah. And so I had this friend I went to school with, and I was just selling him on like the cute aspects of Gremlins. I was like, oh man, you're gonna love Gizmo. Gizmo's Everybody adorable. Do you like cute animals? Do you like cute animals? Gizmo is a cute animal. And I, I knew, like, even at age six, I was tricking him into some gremlin shit. <laughs> and so I watched it with him. Did you just like, shriek great. out of the room at the part where the one comes out of the cupboard? My mom pulled me aside the next day. It was like, I don't know what you showed your friend, but his mom called me up and was saying that he was up all night crying. <laughs> and I was oh, just like, hell man. yeah, we watch gremlins. It's some fucking dope shit, mom. <laughs> 
That's exactly what you said to her. Yeah, basically. I mean, she got me back with that, like, dummy thing, because she knew I was scared of Child's Play, so she just, like, she bought me a ventriloquist dummy for Christmas one year, and then she moved it out of my bedroom and set it in the middle of the hallway, and then, like, got me to wake up in the middle of the night, and I went out and I saw that, and I was terrified. <laughs> uh, my rating for Star <laughs> Trek VI, uh, I'm going to give it a, well, it, it's the sixth movie, so I'm going to give it a six out of ten. All right, yeah, that makes sense. That follows. No, it follows as a different movie. <laughs> but I show my kid it follows. Retro corner. Uh, Daytona. Twin Daytona. B. No, that's a different game. Oh wait, what? No, no Daytona Twin B is a what? Uh, overhead arcade shooter. Game over, yeah. What? Nope, that's a different game. Uh, some some people would call Daytona Twin B a cute up, and all those people should be in jail. Don't ever call a video game a cute up. What? You're are, a grown what is man. the title for this? Daytona Twin B. Daytona. D e t d e t a n a. Daytona. Oh. Okay. Twin B. The main character is very disappointing. You realize you say that, of course, I'm going to think Daytona USA. I like to hurt you and cause you pain. I guess so. Both of the mental and physical variety. That's why I got the restraining order. That's why you can't come over here. That's why we have to do this remotely. (laughs) I'm just like Shelly. You play as a little ship, and he's got little noodly arms and gloves. He's all cartoony, and he's got fucking revolvers, and he likes to shoot them in the air like Yosemite Sam. And this was the thing that convinced me to play this game. Have you ever played one of those like Konami shooters where like bells pop out, and you got to shoot the bells? You ever play yeah. a Parodius? Yeah, yeah, that's from Daytona Twin B. Oh, okay. I mean, I know Twin that's B. I, I, I know the character yeah. Twin B. I did not know it was Daytona Twin B. Yeah. Well, I think I think Daytona is specifically the the name for this particular twin oh, game, but okay. I I may not be right about that. Was this that, the but... first one, or is this like? I don't think a it was sequel. the first one. This it, it came out in arcade. I played the arcade version of it through Mame, but there's a version of it for the Turbo Graphics. I want to say so. I bet that's real good. I, it's when it came out, it might have actually been fine. Yeah, probably not as good as the arcade version, probably. But like the Turbo Graphics was capable of doing some pretty decent arcade conversions for that period of time. Oh, this is the fifth entry in the Twin B series. Well, there you go. Actually, yeah, that that what? tracks. I, I think the original ones were like early '80s, weren't they? Probably. Got it pulled up. Uh, set several years after the events of Twin B, players assume the role of Light and Pastel. Taking control of Twin B and Win B to defeat invading forces of the evil alien Eva and safe planet Meru after receiving an SOS message sent by Princess Melora. Uh, yeah. You don't know the lore of Twin B? No, of course not. Uh, yes, yeah, the, first, the first Twin B was uh, 1985. Okay, so a little off for my prediction, but yeah, still earlier than when this came out. Uh, oh yeah, this one. This one was ninety-one. Nineties. Yeah. See, I got. I at least got part of it correct. 
me and my weird fucking like spot the date for this video game superpower. Oh man, uh, there's oh Poppin' Twin B. I know that one. Yeah. Um, I should play Poppin' Twin B actually, Twi- but Twin I played B, Yahoo. I, I played Daytona Twin B because there's an exclamation point after Daytona, <laughs> and I just really like the idea that the name is pronounced Daytona Twin B. <laughs> well, Twin B Yahoo has an exclamation oh. point after Yahoo. <laughs> Just not like Yahoo. the uh, theme it's song Yahoo. to One Piece. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's it's weird that there's pilots in the Twin Bees though, because every time they're like de- depicted, they're like these little tiny. They're like one foot tall compared to like regular humans, and they're like they're autonomous. They got their own little weird arms, and they're shooting guns off, and they're like little cartoon characters. They're like sentient, and so it's weird that there's people inside the the actual ships. Do you want to know uh, what like platforms actual... Datana Twin B came out for? How about I guess what platforms it came okay. out for? Because so I know arcade, I know Turbo yep. Graphics. Mm. I'm going to guess that there's a PlayStation version of it that was like Japan only. Yes. Okay. Is there more than that? Yes. How many more? A lot. <laughs> Christ. Well, there's definitely a mobile version of it, I'm going to guess. Uh yes, iOS. I'll give you was. that. Yeah, I probably got re-released on the PlayStation Network. So like PlayStation yep. Four, um, I bet it might be available, say, on the eShop. So it could have been on the Wii or the mm. Wii U, possibly. I'll give you that. It says Virtual Console. Okay, so yeah, it, one of those two it existed on, um. Sega You're not gonna get some of these Saturn? Yep That was the one I was okay. surprised you didn't mention before Alright um, I don't think Wonder you'll get Swan. any of these Fuck others <laughs> not, not too far off I'll say all right, Arcade Easy Web Whatever that is iMode oh, of course, easy web. I don't know what iMode is either iOS uh, Windows Nintendo Switch PC Engine Turbo Graphics Whatever PlayStation PlayStation 4, PlayStation Network, PlayStation Portable. Mm. Yeah, I know you haven't heard of that oh. before, so. Um, yeah, that's, yeah it's, it's all new to me. A Sega Saturn Virtual Console X68000. Uh, see, I probably should have actually guessed the X68000. <laughs> Anytime it's a weird Japanese game mm-hmm. and it came out on multiple things, it was definitely on the X68000. Or the PC88 or something. Yeah. Xbox yeah. 360, Yahoo sure. Mobile. Okay. Yeah. Why was it not Twin B Yahoo on the Yahoo Mobile? It should have been like a flagship title. Maybe it was. Maybe Twin Twin B Yahoo maybe. was on. Maybe Yahoo Mobile. I guess I'm going to have to find out. Anyway, you got to track Twin B's farts, and then you can send the missile after him, and it will blow him up uh, it, along with the Klingon piloting him. It was not uh, Twin B Yahoo. Was just arcade, PlayStation, PlayStation Portable, Saturn. That's fucked up. The gameplay of Twin B, there's actually not much to say about it. It's a pretty typical overhead shooter. I, I brought up the bell thing because I think it was probably the most noteworthy thing about Twin B series. Uh, love it or hate it. I know some people don't like it because you shoot the bell too many times accidentally. You don't get the power up you want. I think it's fine. I think it's a cute little way to get your power ups. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a perfectly serviceable shooter. And I think the kind of like childish nature of it 
lends itself well to its very approachable difficulty. I, I typically have a lot of problem with shooters. Um, my reaction times are absolutely horrible. I can't play bullet hells. I'm very bad at it. Uh, but something like Twin B that is designed for babies is very good for me. I'm actually able to beat those. So I had a decent time with it. Uh, the other game that I wanted to talk about, I completely forgot. Oh, right. Um, Fantasy Zone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Took me a moment. No, wait, not Fantasy Zone. I'm doing this shit again. What's the one <laughs> by Yu Suzuki? Space Harrier? The guys, Space God damn it. Why do I always do this? Why do I always call it Fantasy Zone? Didn't you already talk about Space Harrier? I don't think that I did. I didn't have to check off the list. Oh, okay. Thought you did. Did I talk about out? Did I talk about Outrun yet? No. All right. Well, we'll we'll do a we'll put a hold on Space Harrier so I can fuck the name of it of it up again <laughs> on a later date. <laughs> and and see, I don't have my work computer here anymore. They moved us back to the office, and that's where I keep the list because I'm not paying for Microsoft Office on my personal computer. Get real. No, of course not. I should have uploaded it, though, to Google Drive, and then I could refer to it for when stuff like this happens. Because it's actually in this weird territory now where we're through most of the games on the list. I think there's maybe like a quarter left to go or something like that. Good. So some of these games I don't know if I talked about before. Yeah, finally. Um, So Outrun is also a cute little arcade game, except this one I played on the Sega Genesis. It's not an asshole. Actually, no, I think I'm going to play the arcade for it. Well, whatever. All outruns are the same. They all look alike to me. Uh, they all sound alike, too. The music in all the outrun games is fantastic. But if you I, play I the still... arcade version, you get that higher frame rate, which then uh, makes your eyes go funky when you look away from the screen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Turn around, look at your friend, you're all cross-eyed. Like, yeah, like Dan Aykroyd after getting blown by a ghost. <laughs> That's what outrun does. <laughs> I was going to say it's like Steve Brule. <laughs> well, you sure. turn around, you gotta, yeah, your face has become rule esque. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Outrun's kind of a, a neat little game. Of course, it being an arcade game, first and foremost, it lends itself well to replayability. The whole point is that you're kind of trying to beat the timer, you're not racing against other people, and then the path will always diverge at the end of the level. Uh, similar to a, a very popular, well loved game, uh, and I think it's probably a perfect analog. Uh, to 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 get people to understand the structure of Outrun, uh, Shadow the Hedgehog, um, which of course has 32 different endings, just like Outrun. It all just depends on what choice you make at the end of the level. That will determine where you go and what you do. Yeah. Did you like that? No. <laughs> that make you feel good? No, did not. Good. Perfect. So we've established I like hurting you. <laughs> um, Outrun, though, it, it is structured in an actually very similar way. Again, at the end of the level, you make a choice. It forks off into two different paths. Um, I find Outrun to be very challenging, though. I had a hard time getting to the end of it. Yeah, like, it is yeah. tough beating that timer. Because there's... Um, um, so Yakuza 0 has Outrun in it. And one of the things is get... Uh, over a certain score and outrun and i was like man this game's hard yeah it's a real pain i in had the to get ass. the I high score to get kyoko maki to go on a date with me or whatever it was in that <laughs> game i eh, i'm not sure i don't remember exactly what it was i think you or you get her like as a manager for your business or something like that women love a man who can beat outrun yeah exactly yeah 
it's, it's very impressive. Like, uh, first rule in any pickup artistry book is beat outrun. Just start practicing <laughs> that game, get really good at That's it. That's what mystery tells you to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I like Outrun. I think it's a it's a fun little game. Similar to Twin B, it's a, it's a nice little thing to kind of just pop into, screw around in for a little bit, and you know, kind of bounce off to something else. Uh, as is the nature of an arcade game. Um, I do also really like that whenever you crash, that car oh, fucking yeah. wipes out. <laughs> yep, like that scene from Casino Royale is just flipping <laughs> around. It's even it's even worse because it's a convertible. Yeah, and so the passengers should definitely be dead but they they just get up and just like run back into the car it's like wiping out in in road rash it's like yeah it's no big deal yeah it's like tony hawk or something yeah as long as there's not a bear around you're totally fine just get back in there and and carry on Mm -hmm. uh although i found if you wipe out like man beating that timer is even more miserable like you might as well just reset at that point um but yeah music in that game is is fantastic fantastic uh splash wave i think is the name of, like the main theme of it like i think so i remember yeah. um in uh sonic and all stars racing transformed you could get the outrun car you had the outrun oh, stage man. and music and everything you could I get totally forgot about metal that. sonic in the outrun Ooh. car if you wanted well now I need to go back and play All Stars Racing Transformed. <laughs> one of the one of the greatest kart racers ever made, if uh, not the greatest. I would say the greatest. Yeah, it's a really good game. Way better than any of that Mario Kart shit. Correct. So maybe Double Dash. Bullshit. I think that, like that's yeah, the maybe. other one in contention. They should just make another one of those games and just have it be a Double Dash clone, so they can just do that yeah. better too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. For retro corner, these two games, uh, they're both, they're both great. They're the Star Trek fours of arcade games. That's my rating. All right. They're fun. They're a great time. I think everybody should try them out. Uh, they're not anything that you need to spend much time in. So, so fun. Little By the play. way, I, well, I'm sure you will go and search to see if you actually talked about Space Harrier, but I'm pretty sure we did oh, because okay. I remember saying the thing about like the hit detection and it like bouncing off of the dragon thing and not being able to tell if you actually hit it or not, you were doing damage, yeah. etc. And you've definitely talked about the whole like I can't remember which is Space Harrier and which is Fantasy Zone thing before. So I, yeah, I mean that's come up sure. like a dozen times yeah. at this point because yeah, I yeah, always yeah, yeah 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 I know, but yeah. I'm pretty sure. Space Harrier has come up one and two, I think. Because we also talked about the SNES version or NES version. Yeah, that's right. How there's just this weird eight bit version of the game for yeah. some reason. Yep. Yeah, maybe we have. Uh, well, just to be safe, I'll just say I like Space Harrier. <laughs> okay. Get that on the it's record. Fun. Yeah, the, the the hit detection is weird, but I I like it. It's a fun. It's very much in the vein of these other two games, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Where it's just you know, it being an arcade game is easy to pick up and play. It's a You're good just hitting time. like it's all de- of the not games. Not got much depth to it, but all the games you can play in Shinmu and Yakuza. Basically, it's just Fantasy Zone, the, Space yeah. Harrier, Outrun. Were you going to talk that about Super Hang On to, next week? I tried to. Well, that wasn't on the list, but. I try to structure these discussions to have some sort of theme behind them. And yeah, that was very much the theme of this one was just you Suzuki ass games. Okay. 
just fun little arcade games that do not require much time or attention from you. They're just they're they're fun stuff to screw around in for fifteen minutes or so and then move on to something else. That's all these games. Like Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> exactly like Balan Wonderworld. No one would ever play the demo of that for like an hour and a half and then record <laughs> it and put it on YouTube. No. I have to be a freak to do that. It requires some deep level of psychosis. Can't wait for that thing to hit $5 on Black Friday. I will buy it and I will not open it because I expect it will become the next JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Tenkaichi, whatever the All fuck Star that Battle. thing is. Yeah. I, I have to think that they are not still... The thing with that game is either Square's not going to continue pressing discs because it's not worth their time because they know it's bad, or they're going to continue to because people keep buying it up off the novelty of, the, novelty of it being bad now. I I'm think, not sure which it is. I mean, Square Enix ne- pretty much never lets stuff go out of print for the most part, so it would not it's surprise true. me if they just keep having it forever like they do for old Final Fantasy games. That I was going to say, I bought a brand new copy of Final Fantasy IX, so yeah, maybe they just print this in perpetuity. Mm. Still, if it hits five bucks, so I wouldn't mind yeah, having sure. it again just for the novelty of it. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. because it is, if I could buy The Quiet Man on disc. I mean, at that point, if <laughs> you... also hit five bucks. At that point, if you ever needed like a replacement case or something, that wouldn't even sure. be a bad idea to have. But Yeah, let me just take the disc of Left Alive out and just throw this across <laughs> the room. I... <laughs> Left alive. <laughs> oh, what a pile of crap! That, That's that game's podcast. worse than we Battle Wonderworld. It really is. This is a long ass episode. I'm sorry. Uh, goodbye, dinosaurs. We gave good head to Doshini Esga Skimasen. Oh, Yoshimimasho. I gave good head. You gave good head. My parents gave good head. My grandmother gives good head. My relatives give good head too. Hi, Gonda Guay Nitskaimas.
今日のワンポイントレッスンは I give good head 私口でするのがうまいのよでした。